Welcome back to the Truth Hurts Podcast. I am your host, Candace, and my lovely co-host is not here today. She is making that money, so um, it'll just be me, and so I decided since it is just going to be me, I decided that I am going to do um, a bit of a deep dive episode, and um The reason why I started this podcast was to, you know, just have fun with my friend, talk about life, talk about the things that we're going through, the things that we've been through in relationships, um, family, sex, and just have a good time and just really just kick it the way we would normally do. And, you know, it has been um, difficult to do because we live in two separate places, but it, it the first couple episodes worked out pretty well. But um, today we're just going to um, talk about myself. Well, that sounds kind of conceited, but <laughs> I just want to um, discuss some things that I've been going through. Um I have been um struggling to find where I fit in in the world and what I mean by that is um I am unsure of myself a lot of the time and I have suffered with depression most of my life. Um, I have high highs and very low lows. And when my lows are, and when I mean low, my lows are low. And um, it has always been this way. Um, I think the triggering point for me was... um, the passing of my mom when I was six years old, that really, you know, affected me. It affected, you know, me, my brothers and sister, um, my entire family. But in the process of losing my mom, I was, you know, I was had to go live with my dad, which, you know, was difficult for me. Not because I didn't know my dad or that he wasn't around. It was just that I spent the majority of my, you know, life, baby years and toddler years, you know, with, you know, a different side of my family. And my mom was my world. And so losing her at six drastically changed my life. And it was something that I, you know, when you're that young, you don't really, I did not know how to deal with my emotions. Um, 
that probably actually was the start of me holding everything close to my chest, not letting anyone in, not expressing how I felt. I, I, I became her death. And what I mean by that is that a part of me, when she died, a part of me died. And so, you know, I went to go live with my dad and my stepmom. And even that was difficult for me because um, you know, I had I had never really lived with him. Like it was my first time living with him full time. You know, I didn't really have like any other family outside of him and my stepmom. And that was extremely hard for me. Like you go from seeing all of your family, like your cousins, your grandma, you know, your aunts and uncles and spending time with them and like just having that family time to being taken away and the only family you have is the family in your home. And that was a really difficult time for me. And to be honest, I didn't adjust well. Um, and, you know, in this episode, I'm not placing blame on anyone because I have dealt with those. I have dealt with those things. Like me and my dad did not have the best relationship um i felt like he did not show me the grace and love and protection that i needed as a kid after my mom died and I don't think he necessarily knew how because he faced, he lost her too. Even though they weren't married anymore, he lost her too. And um, that hindered our relationship in the beginning. Um, It's better now. It's way better now. And, you know... It definitely was strenuous. I felt like he didn't understand me. I felt like I didn't understand him. Um, My stepmom kind of played the middleman between us. And, you know, the house, she did the best that she could. You know, I didn't feel comfortable talking to him. And, um, or sharing things with him or anything like that, because I felt like, you know, I love my dad and he is very much, we are so much alike because we can sit in a room and not say anything like that, that is just us. And that's, you know, the way that I am. And, um... It affected us and how we communicated and which, you know, to no fault of his own, 
you know, because he was doing the best that he could. And I realized that as I got older and being in therapy, that I didn't necessarily see him. I saw him as only my parent, as only my father. And um, I didn't really see him for the man that he was until I got older. And once I was able to do that, I was able to heal. Like we talk more, we laugh, you know, I I share things with him and we just have a a very good relationship now. And, you know, I, I think a lot of that had to do with my daughter, you know, but I, you know, I just, I had a difficult time and my depression did not help. You know, I, because I struggled so much with my relationship with him, I did have quote unquote daddy issues when it came to like dating. Like I, today I sat here before I started recording this episode and I was just like, I have never had a healthy relationship with anyone of the opposite sex like I've never been in a relationship and and I'm and I say that because puppy love to me does not count like you're young and you don't necessarily know what you're doing or where you're going kind of thing but I've never been in a real relationship and I didn't know how to be in a real relationship with anyone and I really kind of shut people out. And it wasn't anything that I did on purpose. It was just, you know, I am uh, curvaceous. Like I have boobs, I have butt, and I have thighs. Um, I developed really early. And I will never forget uh the time that I went to go live with my uncle when my dad was overseas and I had on this um halter top bathing suit like it was you know back in the day the boy shorts with the halter top and the reason why I remember it so much is cuz it was like the first bathing suit that I had that was like a bikini type bathing suit like the lining of it was like this really hot pink color and it had these like Hawaiian big pink flowers but it had like blue and green like backgrounding and I really loved it and so we went to the pool I wore that and um I want to say that was probably the last time we went to the pool because um, my uncles were just like, you can't wear that. Mind you, I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me. I'm having fun with my cousins. Like we're jumping in the pool or playing Marco Polo. Like we're doing kid shit. But I guess the older boys and men were looking at me. And I 
will never forget it because it was at that moment that it was kind of drilled into my head that you don't look like the rest of the kids your age. I Like I said, I developed really fast. And so it was always, like, I would always hear comments, oh, you, your body is, your body is, you, like, you're shaped like your mother or you're shaped like this person and you have to cover up because men are going to look at you and the only thing they're going to want from you is your body. And that stuck with me all the time. And so when I really got to the point in age where I was, you know, uh, having relationships with boys and, and even men, you know, as I got older, that always played in my head was you know, they don't really like me. They just like what I look like. So for me, sex became easier to do than having an emotional connection with someone. And it's funny that I say that because my stepmom a couple of weeks ago was like, you know, I'm worried about you. You don't really date. And, you know, I don't want you to be over there alone. And she was like, I just kind of worry about you that you're not. She was like, even, you know, you're not getting any. And I was like, you'll never have to worry about me not getting any. I will always, there will always be on someone on deck to take care of that. I was like, that's the easy part. And she just kind of looked at me. And that was the first time I said that. Like, for me, because I had internalized no one not no one, I had internalized that men are only going to be looking at me for my body and what I can do for them. That that was how I led in all my relationships. That, you know, they're only with me because of the way that I looked. And it stuck with me. And so as the years went on and, you know, after I graduated from high school, like I gained weight, I gained a lot of weight from being on birth control and, um, I'm short. I'm only five, five, one, five, two, um, on a good day, depending on what shoes I have, I might be five, three, but I was short. So I gained a lot of weight and, um, I became more self-conscious about the way that I looked, the way that I shaped, I was shaped and, you know, how people looked at me. So after a while, I just started wearing like baggy shirts, sweatpants, like anything to cover and shield me from like men looking at me. Like that's what I would wear. Like the only time I wouldn't wear those things were... Like if I was going out to a club, but even then I felt uncomfortable and out of place because mind you, all my friends were like these skinny girls and they had nice bodies and, you know, so all the attention was always on them. So I eventually just learned how to play the background and I was okay with that. 
And mind you, I've had, you know, relationships in between this kind of stage where things were good. But, you know, after a while, it just became the only thing I had to offer was like sex. Like, and I felt like that was all they ever wanted from me. So I never allowed myself to even connect with any of them on a deeper level. And I didn't connect with anyone on a deeper level until I met my child's father. And, you know, as the years went on and and how things led up to that, like I was always fighting my depression. I was always fighting this voice in my head telling me that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I... um. I'm never going to be anything like I was always fighting that negative voice in my head. You And the more that voice kept going, the more it chipped away at me, the more it chipped away at my self-esteem to the point where I didn't really have any self self-esteem. Like I was literally just rowing through life. And I didn't, I stopped believing in myself and the things that I was capable of. But she wouldn't know that from looking at me from the outside because I pretended like I had it all together. Like I was on my shit. I didn't take any shit also. And I stood up for myself in instances that I felt like it was, you know, okay for me to stand up for myself. And um, when I met my daughter's father, I met him at work. Don't date anyone you work with. It it ends up in a shit show. <laughs> but, um, you know, I met him at work and we were friends. Um, we started off as friends because I was in a relationship with someone else. And um, he was married and, you know... We talked about, like, his wife and his kids, and, you know, I talked about my boyfriend, and, like, we would talk about sports mainly because he was a Rams fan, and I was a Saints fan, even though I was born in Savannah, Georgia, and, you know, grew up in Georgia, I was a a Saints fan, like, you know, so we would talk shit and whatnot about football and stuff like that, and just have, like, office shit office talk you know what I mean so um I you know was in a relationship and things weren't going good in that relationship but I was trying to make it work because he came about in a time in my life where I needed to feel safe and I was lonely And, you know, I did love him at one point, but he had cheated on me and it was hard for me to trust him after that. Like, even though he was living with me, it was still hard for me to trust him, but I was still trying to, like, make it work. And he kind of made the decision that he was going to uh, move back to where he was from, which was South Carolina, And, you know, go there and, 
be with his kids and also like help his mom and his dad. But that was a conversation that he had not had with me. So I felt like, well, damn, like we live together, we're in this relationship and you don't tell me that you're thinking about leaving until like your bags are packed and I'm leaving on this day. So I took that really hard and he was like, you know, but I think he was under the assumption that we would still be in the relationship and we had a talk and I was like, there's no way I can be in a long distance relationship with you. I was like, we live in the same house and I like our relationship is not that great. And you think you're going to move to South Carolina and things are going to be better. So I was like, so we kind of broke things off. Like we were still friends. I still cared about him. You know, I understood the reason reasoning as to why he was leaving. I just felt like I deserved that conversation. So I definitely took, it was like one thing on top of another, um, I talked previously before about the living situation where I lived with um, someone and that living situation was toxic as fuck. And um, that was a dark time for me as well. And he kind of was like the bright spot in that. So when he was like, I'm leaving, I just felt I just felt like my world was just kind of slowly caving in on me. So, um, my daughter's father and I, we we were friends. I do, I am able to, like, now that I look back on it, I do think that we were, we were, I don't think, I know that we were literally, we were having an emotional affair with each other. Like it started out as friends and then it it slowly changed into that. But we had never crossed that line. Like um, an intimate relationship had never been crossed. And I wasn't going to do that because I knew he was married and I knew he had kids. And we talked about his wife and, you know, things like that and his family. So, you know, I never crossed that line. And... um You know, that was a learning experience for me because even while we were friends, like, he made me feel like the most beautiful girl in the world. Like, he would always tell me, like, how beautiful I am. And, you know, mind you, my self-esteem was way on the ground. So anybody telling me that I was beautiful, like, I'd be like, no, you're just saying that, blah, 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 blah. Like, I always had, like, a, a rebuttal to any kind of compliment. And I still kind of have a rebuttal to any kind of compliment that anybody gives to me, whether it's male or, uh, whether it's men or women. And, um, you know, we talked about, like, how he and his wife had been together for a long time. And he felt like she was doing her own thing. And, you know, we talked about that and 
suggested maybe they go into counseling and stuff. And he was like, I don't think, you know, counseling is going to work. And so he had told me, like, in the conversations that we had that, you know, they were considering divorce. And I didn't really let it affect me. I didn't let it play a part in, you know, the decisions that I made. But I definitely knew that um, that was something that they had been discussing. And, you know, I can't remember what he said to me about or when he said to me, you know, he had feelings for me, but it definitely came up and, you know, we were friends. So I told him, you know, I can't be with someone who's married. I been there, done that, not doing it again. And I was like, you know, if you do decide to get a divorce and later on down the line, you know, if feelings are still there, I was like, then yeah, we could see where things go. And I, um, you know, I left it alone. We were still friends. And um, he had had some other conversations with, you know, other people that we had worked with. And I will never forget one of the guys came into the office and was like, um, someone likes you. And I was like, well, you know, who? And he was like, well, da-da-da-da likes you. We'll just use the letter C. And I was like, well, I was like, I know that. And I was like, and we're friends. We're cool. I like him. I like hanging out with him. You know, I was like, he's cool. We just talk shit to each other. I was like, but... <clears throat> I don't really see him in that way. I was like, because of the situation that he's in. And he was like, well, he was like, you know, he's getting a divorce. And I was like, he's talked about it. Yes. I was like, but, you know, he hasn't said anything to me about, you know, pulling the trigger on that. And and he was like, well, he has. And I was like, well, I was like, that's what he's told you. But that's not what he's told me. And. I didn't really say anything to him that I knew that he had already, you know, been to the lawyer. They had already discussed getting a divorce. Um, and he hadn't, he hadn't said anything to me. I want to say it was like a couple of weeks after I had that conversation that he finally said, you know, this is what I'm doing. And I, and once that happened, that kind of opened the doors for us. And we weren't in a relationship. Like, we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. We were in a situationship, is what I would call it. Like, we were literally figuring it out as we go. And we just had a really good time with each other. Like, that... I had let him in and I had let, we had gotten to know each other without the option of sex being first. And so he was literally my friend who I eventually fell in love with. And 
that was the first time that I allowed somebody to really get to know me and, you know, know, like, my insecurities and the things that, you know, I held close to my chest, like, I let him in. So, you know, fast forward to, like, February, March, I was making plans to, you know, bring him to Florida to, like, meet my family because that's what he wanted to do. Um, We had discussed getting married um, in July of that year. But, and we had had hiccups along the way. Like, he would... Like, one minute he was all in, and then the next minute he was pulling back because, you know, he still wasn't sure if he was making the right decision. And I was always honest with him and saying, look, if you aren't sure that a divorce is what you want to do because you have your kids, I completely understand. I was like, you know, y'all have been together for forever and I was like maybe try counseling I was like if this is too much for for you dealing with me and trying to go through this divorce I would completely understand if you decided that you don't want to do this anymore I was like yes it's going to hurt me and you know I may be sad I was like but I understand it And so I always left that door for him if he needed to back out of what we were doing. And, you know, his response was just like, no, I just need to take my time. I just need to, you know, figure things out. But, you know, I know divorce is what I want to do because he was like, she has, she's having her own relationship on the side. And he was like, you know, we just live together. He was like, she... I work during the day and she works at night. And he was like, you know, I just feel like, you know, things have just run its course. And I believed him. And, you know, right around February, March, when I was supposed to take him home, like things just kind of switched where we were fighting more than normal and everything was my fault. And I just was like, I can't handle any more of this. I was like, you know, if you don't want to do this, we don't have to. But I'm not going to have someone who constantly says that they love me also make me feel like, you know, I'm less than. And so we went on about that. And in May... Um, well, before I skipped ahead, you know, he had moved out, um, had an apartment somewhere, you know, we had been on, he took me to meet his friend, you know, he wanted me to meet his sister. And I was like, I don't, I was like, it, it, which I thought was odd, but you know. I was like, I don't know what you want me to meet your sister for. I was like, how are you going to introduce me? And he was like, he was like, I'll just say, you know, you're my friend. You're my, 
you're my girl and this is where I want to spend my the rest of my life at. And I was just like, how are you going to tell your family that? And he was like, well, you know, my sister don't like my wife anyway. So she'll be happy. She was like, I think my family would really love you. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't go because I didn't feel comfortable in going. Something in me told me just not to, that that was not where I needed to be. <clears throat> and I don't know if that played like a little bit of a role into why like we started having like back and forth issues because he felt like I didn't show up for him in the ways that he showed up for me. And I felt like I was showing up for him. I just did not feel comfortable, you know, in those settings yet. Even though, yes, you're separated, you're you're going through a divorce, you're separated, you're going to go see the attorney, y'all are talking to how you're going to split things up and what's going to happen with the kids and you're doing all this, I still not, I did not feel comfortable. And that should have been, I should have listened to myself and backed away, but I didn't. And so, you know, here comes... May rolls around. Um, I find out I am pregnant because uh, a dear friend of mine made me take a pregnancy test. Because, uh, you know, my periods were irregular. So if I missed a week, like it didn't, it didn't really shock me. Like I wasn't panicked because I knew I would get it maybe like next month. Because I, I, you know, up until that point, I had always, always had irregular periods. So, um, but this time around, I, I hadn't had a period. Um, extremely emotional, breast hurting, like exhausted, but I still didn't think anything was going on. And, she, you know, finally she was just like, Candace, I think you need to take a pregnancy test. Well, you know. I peed on that pregnancy uh, stick and I was pregnant. And I was not happy. Because the last time that we were intimate together, I told him, you know, we were not using protection. And I told him, you know, don't. I had never gotten, um, I'm trying to think of how much I should say on this podcast about my life while I'm putting my business out there. Um, uh, I would monitor when I was ovulating and when I was ovulating, we wouldn't, he would pull out and, <clears throat> you know, and, um, this time I wasn't sure because I didn't have my phone in close proximity of me. So I was just like, just don't come in me because I'm not sure. And he was like, you know, whatever happens, happens. And because we had talked about kids. Like I said, we talked about getting married in July. We had talked about having kids. You know, he was the person who made me change my mind about having kids because I never wanted to have kids because I was very fearful that what happened to my mother would happen to me. 
And I did not want to put anyone who I loved. I didn't want to put a kid through that. I just, I didn't want to. So I had already had it set in stone that I would just be the auntie because all my friends had kids. <coughs> Nearly all of them got pregnant in high school or just right out of high school. So I was just, I was totally okay with being auntie. I never wanted to have kids. And um, so me peeing on that stick and seeing that I was pregnant, I was not happy. I was scared shitless. And I was not sure what I was going to do. So he was out of town for his son's graduation from high school. He was either graduating from high school or they were taking, he was graduating from high school because before I had took the pregnancy test, he'd he'd sent me a text and was like, oh, I'm at my son's graduation. He was like, you know, I can't wait until, you know, it's me and you together watching our kid graduate, you know, from high school. So we had talked about kids. This was not... Something that just came about. And um, I had to tell him I was pregnant. And that is when, for me, reality set in. Because I knew in my gut something was wrong. He never gave me a reason to question him. I believed everything he was saying. Because he was staying the night over at my house. He was letting me know how everything was going. So I had no reason to believe that he was lying to me. And that may be very naive of me. But I did it. So I told him, you know, I needed to talk to him. Until he called me, I let him know that I was pregnant. <clears throat> and you could hear the change in his voice. I could hear the sudden, oh shit, <clears throat> change in his voice. And it would. Even though it surprised me, it didn't surprise me. And so, you know, we talked face to face. He asked me, you know, what I was going to do. Um, <clears throat> and this was before I had even, you know, scheduled like a doctor's appointment. I ended up having to go to the emergency room because I was spotting. So I thought, you know, I was having a miscarriage, but it was just, um, <coughs> it wasn't, uh, I wasn't having a miscarriage. Um, I, um, so he and I had a face to face talk and that's when it became very apparent to me 
that he did not want me to have this baby. He told me he did not want me to have this baby, but he could not make the decision for me. And I would have to decide what I was going to do. Um, it was, he wasn't ready to have a kid. It was, um, you know, how did this happen? It was the beginning stages of him blaming me because I was pregnant. And that was a blow that I was not prepared for. And um, my friend who was living with me, like, I had not made up my mind what I, what I wanted to do. I was still early enough in my pregnancy to where I could have had an abortion. Or I could have went through the pregnancy and gave the baby up for adoption. I was not sure what I was going to do. It... was extremely rough to realize that our entire relationship, our entire friendship, the I love yous, I'm in love with you, I want to make you my wife, I want to have kids with you, I want to see our kid walk across the stage, all that was a lie. And he told me I was, after I decided to keep the baby because I couldn't bring myself to have an abortion or to put the child up for adoption, it was, I was ruining his life. How could I do this? I know what his situation is and blah, 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 blah. It became very apparent to me that he was, there was no, I'm getting a divorce. I've, I've moved. It was literally like in my head, it was like, it was all a charade. Like I was part of some, an elaborate joke that went too far. And I was defeated. Like I, I was defeated. I was incredibly heartbroken. Because I went into this situation being honest with him. And all I expected in return was for him to be honest with me because we were friends first. And because I gave him so many chances to stop what we were doing and he made me feel like a piece of shit and I could not bear to be around him to look at him so you can only imagine what having to go to work and see him was doing to me and he would do things like come in the office and try to be nice to me and tell me the smile and ask me how I'm doing and ask me, did I eat? And uh, one day he even came up to the job. I don't even know why he was there to um, 
and he had his daughter with him and I was walking outside with my friend because she was going to go smoke and um, asked me if I like wanted to meet like his daughter and I just was like like the look on my face was just like why would I meet her when you are denying the child that I am currently carrying and I just kind of walked away from him and um my friend was like you should my friend was like you should have went to go meet her and I was like for what I was like, because if I would have walked over to that car, I would have, like, probably lost every little bit of sense I had. And I was like, and I'm I'm not going to do that. So, June, July, and August, like, he and I just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, um, it was extremely difficult for me because I had never let anybody in like that before and I had let him in in that way and I let him get close to me and I opened up to him and I shared things about me and I was honest with him and I expected the same thing in return and I didn't get that instead I got you're ruining me. You're ruining my life. I can't believe you got pregnant. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. It it became my fault. And that was hard for me to swallow. And it was just if you have this baby then I we can't I I'm I'm I can't be there like you want me to be there. And that is what hurt me to my core. And everything that I had thought about myself was reinforced during that time. I'm not worthy. No one's going to love me. The only reason why men are interested in me is, is, is because of my body and what I can do for them. And I just felt like I brought this on to myself it was so bad that I was blaming myself because I felt like if I was in a good space mentally I probably would have never entered into that situation to begin with like I felt like I should have known that I was being played from the beginning and it is my fault that I did not know that and I moved from Atlanta back to where I'm currently living. And I, I, I was severely depressed. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was dealing with the fact that I was pregnant and I didn't want to have a kid. But I was doing what other people wanted me to do. Which was to keep the baby. And I was dealing with a heartbreak that I had never experienced in my life. 
I was dealing with a heartbreak that I thought was something that was built on just, I don't know the word I'm looking for. I think common courtesy comes to mind, but that's not really what I want to go with. But, and then I was dealing with the fact that I had let my own self down and I was getting ready to be somebody's mom and I, in a sense, I was still growing up and I was when all of this was happened, I was 29 because I was six months pregnant when I turned 30. Um, Or I was just shy of six months, actually, I think. But he would never admit to me that he was... uh, He would never tell me why, like why he, why, like, because that was my question, like, why, why, why did you do this? Like, why did you lie? Why he couldn't give me an answer, and that bothered me. So the whole entire time that I was pregnant, I was depressed, like, I wasn't sleeping. I was eating, you know, my stepmom definitely made sure that I was eating, but I wasn't sleeping. I didn't, I crawled back into my shell. I didn't go anywhere when I was pregnant. I I, I didn't want to be around anyone. I stayed in the house. Like the furthest I went was like to my dad's house. But for the most part, I stayed to myself. Because I was so afraid that at any given moment I was going to have a breakdown that I was not going to be able to come back from. And the only way I knew how to be safe was to stay to myself. And, you know, I had my daughter in January of 2016. And I was still depressed. Like, even being in the hospital with her by myself, I was depressed. Like, I I just, like that love at first sight thing that mom, new moms talk about. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that at all. Like, and if I'm going to stick with being transparent, like, I did not feel that way about my child. Like, I did what I needed to do, you know, as far as, like, taking care of her. But, you know, if I'm going to be really honest, I did not... love her 
I wasn't in love with her. And that hurt me more than anything. And it really became, you know, apparent to me that something was really wrong. And it took one night when, because I have a great daughter. Like, she was never that kid that cried a lot. She barely cried. She slept through the night. You know, she was an easy baby. But one night she was crying, and I couldn't figure out why she was crying. And I was tired. And I just got so angry. And I, I was so scared of what I might do that I literally... After I changed her diaper, I put her in the crib and I left out of the room and I went outside. And I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And the next morning, my stepmom called. I called my stepmom to check up on her or she called me to check up on me. And I told her, I was like, I don't I don't know if I can do this. I'm not in a place where I can do this. And so that's when I decided I needed to be back in therapy. Because if I did not get back into therapy, I don't even want to imagine what would have happened. So um, I started therapy again. It was... um, desperately needed uh that's in therapy i pretty much you know i talked about everything everything that i talked about here which was the relationship with my father and you know she was the one who taught me to see him as a person and find a way to forgive him so i can heal um we talked about my mom you know my relationship with my child's father and she was the one who also made me see that it was not my fault Like, I literally was going off of his actions. And, you know, I cannot blame myself for that. But to also take ownership in the role I played with that. And and I have, you know. um, So... It was needed. Like, I I think every day that I went to therapy, I was in that office crying. Like, I would start out fine, and then she would ask me something about him, and then I would just break down and cry. And, you know, even with the relationship with my daughter, because it was just like, well, I brought her into this world. I was like, I just didn't have it in me to have an abortion or to put her up for adoption and I was like and I still don't know if I want to be a parent I don't know if if maybe now that she's here maybe putting her up for adoption maybe is the best option for me I was like I don't know and you know we talked about whether or not you know seeing if my dad would take custody of her or seeing if my stepmom would take custody of her but to me I always knew that that was not their cross to bear. That it was it was 
my responsibility. So we worked on uh, things that I could do, um, things that I needed to be doing because it was just me and my daughter and, and like I didn't go anywhere. And, you know, I was putting all of the energy that I had into my kid and that, you know, the guilt that I felt for not being in love with her or loving her. Like, I cared about her, and I loved her. It just wasn't that kind of love. And then I was just going through the motions of just taking care of her. <clears throat> and so that, um, we worked on that. And I'm, you know, I love her now. Like, I am in love with her. There is nothing that I would not do for her, but because of the haze that I was already in, it was hard for me to connect with her. And of course, we all know that's postpartum depression, but it was very difficult for me to connect with her. And so when I hear other mothers share their stories about how, you know, it was difficult for them to also connect with you know, their kid, I I don't feel so alone because at the time I felt alone, like there was something wrong with me that, you know, I was this horrible person because here I have this beautiful baby and I don't even want anything to do with her, you know, and I felt really difficult about that. And I was still also very angry with her dad and his his bullshit and him not wanting to be there for her and not wanting to have anything to do with her that that crushed me because you know I didn't want this as much as he didn't want this but I sucked it up and I did what I needed to do and he couldn't even bring himself to do that which I later found on found out later that the reason why he couldn't was he was still married he had no plans on getting a divorce and you know when and what he told his wife is beyond me I don't know what was said or how he framed this entire situation you know I know from a brief interaction with her that it probably wouldn't have mattered how he explained it to her. She wasn't going to go nowhere. And, um, so, damn, I've talked really long. I, I'm going to make a part two because I'm still not done. I'm kind of like just going through the motions, getting all of this out so I can, so I can get where I need to get to so um I'm gonna do a part two there will be a part two but I'm just gonna leave off at that um because my daughter is the best thing that happened to me and I have to get out of that dark haze and that dark fall and mend my heart in order to receive the blessing that she was to me 
And, you know, I definitely have had my good and bad days with that. I'm not saying I'm fully cured and I don't feel like this weight on my chest because I'm not. But that entire situation knocked me on my ass. So when I say I don't judge people, I literally do not judge people. Because I know the trials that I have been through. I know the most. Hello, welcome back to the Truth Hurts podcast. Um, I am starting part two of the part one of the deep dive. And um, I left off talking about, you know, how my daughter has changed my life and, you know, what it took to get there because um, I was severely depressed and... Um, I didn't have that head over heels in love uh, feeling with her and um, how um, therapy actually, you know, helped. And I didn't think I was going to uh, actually record for the full 60 minutes, which... um, surprised me but um it uh, it, um my daughter is the biggest blessing to me because I know that at the end of the day I can't quit as much as I want to as much as I just want to throw in the towel that I can't and I still struggle with being a mother, being a single mother, um, still struggling with the fact that her dad wants nothing to do with her, um, and accepting, you know, my role in that. Because, like I said before, I, I never wanted to have any kids, and the fact that you know, I did with someone I was in love with, someone that I loved, someone I thought I was going to be with. Um, it did not end up going that way. And I hated him. And I could not stand him. And it was really hard kind of looking at my daughter and her looking like the spitting image of him. It was hard because I had, I was harboring so much hate for him in my heart that I didn't have enough room to allow anything else. And, um, That was difficult for me. And I, you know, I had to sit down and kind of write a letter just to myself, taking responsibility for the role that I played in that. But also forgiving myself so that I could move forward in trying to build a healthy relationship with my daughter. And um, every day is 
you know, I'm learning how to be a better mother to her. I'm learning how to show her love in a way that is healthy, that doesn't um, put her in a space where she is has to like vie for my attention. And um, I know that there are some things about me that I'm still working on because of the one the one thing that I make a conscience ef- conscious effort of doing is I don't pick at her body like I don't tell her she's shaped like this I don't call her thick I don't call her chunky I don't call her any of those things because I know firsthand what that could do to a child. I know the lingering effects that that will have. And I never want her to get to, you know, this space where she does not love herself in its entirety. Um, Because now I'm learning to love myself all over again. Am I, you know, do I still, you know, have things... Are there still things that I'm working on with my body? Absolutely. Um, and probably 50 pounds heavier than what I would like to be. I would like to get in better shape and um, eat better and just be healthy all around. Um, and I want her to just have a carefree just life. I don't, I don't want any heaviness on her. I don't think um, that's not how I want to raise her. And so, you know, as I sit here, you know, thinking about things, I've, this year has really been a turning point for me. I think this year has been a turning point for everyone, but, you know, even this year I struggled a lot, um, I was working somewhere where it was sucking the life out of me. That when 4.30 hit or 5 o'clock hit, by the time I got off work, I was mentally, emotionally, physically drained. And I was taking it out on my child. Not in the, uh, I wasn't physically hurting her. But I was taking it out on her. I was short with her. I, I was always raising my voice. And I felt incredibly bad where I broke down crying a lot of the times because I had come so far within my relationship with my daughter that I was taking monumental steps back. To where I didn't, I was, didn't even enjoy being around her. And it scared me. And so this year I made the decision to leave my job in the middle of a pandemic. But I pray, like I, one day it was so bad that I just broke down. I fell down to my knees and I broke down crying.
And I just prayed and I cried and I prayed and I cried. And I literally had to make a decision whether I was going to continue to keep doing this job that was sucking the life out of me, that was affecting the way I interacted with my daughter. And I decided to leave. And that was the main reason why I left. And I made that decision by myself. There was no talk. I, there was no talking to anybody else. <clears throat> I literally, it was, this was a decision between me and God. And I just put it all out on the line with him. And I let him know what my intentions were. Even if it meant that I just work part time and I go to school and I focus on school and I take these classes Whatever was going to give me back my sanity and give me back a relationship with my daughter, because she even told me I was mean to her and why don't I like her? And that broke me. And I realized that this job was taking everything out of me because I didn't have energy for anything else. The energy I did have was enough to take care of her. And I was not in therapy anymore. So my depression was in overdrive. And I just made the decision to step away. And I knew that God would have me every step of the way. And I left. I just left and I was just, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it and things may get really, really tight, but I'll figure it out as long as I go. And, you know, that's what I did. And I've had like a rough couple of months, but I've made it through and I'm still applying for other jobs and things like that. But what made me want to just do these last couple of podcasts that I'm going to put out today was I had gotten in a rut and um, I had always, you know, prided myself on my ability to push through, to motivate myself even in the midst of everything the storm that I was going through I didn't let it keep me down for long but I had seriously gotten into this rut and um, I'm not a religious person I'm more spiritual and I just started to lean into my relationship with God and talking to him more and not moving until he told me to move. And um, and just being still. Because I asked God, you know, when I decided to quit, that 
I was going to be putting all of my faith and trust in him. And I have. And I think this moment was meant for me to sit still. It was meant for me to take care of myself. Because I had done so much where I did not take care of me. That I let my mental health slip. I beat myself up constantly. And I was literally swimming in a pool of just gunk. And God... God really spoke to me and he was like, if you're going to do this, you are going to have to trust me. And I have trust God through this entire time. And this is honestly the first year that I've made, you know, two pretty big decisions about my life without the outside noise of everybody else, without caring what everyone else was going to say or think. And there is freedom in that. There is absolute freedom in that. Because I can't blame anybody else for how things turn out. I can't say this person told me to do this and that person told me to do that or they said don't do I made the decision between myself and my God. And am I am I where I want to be? No. But I am relearning who. I am redesigning. I heard that on another podcast. I am redesigning who I am. Who I am as a woman, who I am as a friend who I am as a daughter, who I am as a mother. I am redesigning that today because I have so much more to offer. I also am fully aware of what my purpose is and my purpose does not involve me sitting behind someone's desk. My purpose has always been so much bigger than what I am. My purpose has always been to share my story and my experiences and the things that I have been through. And I have shied away from that. I have not wanted anyone to get close to me, to know me. Or to allow myself to be vulnerable because I didn't want to hear what other people had to say about me or the choices I've made. And and because I wasn't prepared to hear it. But I have gotten to the space where I am fully ready to share um even as difficult as it is, as it is for me to sometimes share 
I have gotten comfortable in knowing that that is my purpose, that that is what I'm here to do, that I am not here to shy away or to play the background, that I am supposed to be front and center. I am supposed to be expressing myself, that I only do well in situations where I am allowed to uh, voice my opinion, where I'm allowed to be creative. And there were there are things created to, creative creatively. Excuse me, I don't know why I couldn't get that out. That um, I put aside because I felt like um that that's not what what my purpose is. My purpose is not here to write a book. Or to write songs because that's really what I used to do is I used to write short poems and I used to write songs when I was younger. And I stopped doing that. And um, I decided that I'm going to pick that back up. That in order to honor the best parts of me. And even the the not so great, still trying to work out the kinks parts of me that I need to figure out what I love, what brings me joy. Um, This podcast brings me joy. I think this is the most I've talked. This is the most that I've discussed my business with anyone besides people who are near and dear to my heart. But I know that some people may relate to this story. Some people may not. It may help someone. It may not. But it is my truth and no one can use my truth against me. I have accepted, you know, the things that I've done, the things that I've been through, decisions that I've made. I've accepted all of those things. And nobody could use that as a weapon against me. So um, I'm going to end this episode here. And I'm just going to tell, you know, the listeners, the people that are listening who, you know, do check in and listen to the podcast. um, Thank you for giving me this space. Thank you for even hitting that play button to listen um that you are you hold the key to whatever your heart desires and the only thing that can block you or stand in your way is you That things that you tell yourself, the feedback that you give yourself, you need to pause and figure out Are you telling yourself this because this is truly who you are or are you just afraid? 
and I realized all of the negative things that I told myself about myself was because I was afraid. I didn't think I was worthy enough. I didn't think that there was any value to me. But this year, I have realized that I am capable of way more. That I am deserving of more. That I am worthy. That I am enough. That I am God's child. That things are always working out for me. And it's something that I constantly tell myself. So that I can reprogram my brain to only speak positivity about me. To me. So that I can in turn speak the same thing to someone else. Because we never know what anyone is going through. Everything might be like might look nice on the outside. But you don't know the story of someone else. And we are always writing and rewriting and <clears throat> starting new chapters of our books. And I have rewritten and Mine, I can tell you how many times, but I know that I am just beginning to see the greatness in me, the greatness that is me. And I hope that this touches someone. I hope that it lets you know that you are way more special than what people or even you think of yourself. And I think I'm going to put a button right there into this topic. I'm sure we'll do deep dives throughout this journey podcast. Um, hopefully the next time we record, my co-host will be here because it's really hard to talk to yourself for this long and I think that's why my <clears throat> throat is kind of dry and starting to get scratchy but um I just want to thank you for you know listening for allowing me the space to um be a part of your day and um you can catch us hopefully next week we'll drop an episode um back with my co-host T and we can talk about something, you know, fun, lighthearted, something celebs have done, you know, just kick the shit. But uh, I just want to say thank you. And uh, have a great weekend and a happy Halloween and all that stuff. Bye.